I uh, typically would address our graduates tonight, and perhaps I will in a roundabout way, but I have felt a very strong urging of the Holy Ghost today to talk to this church, and I hope that I can convey the burden of my, my heart and that you will pick up on what I feel the Lord is nudging us toward. First Samuel chapter 21. First Samuel chapter 21. If you will stand in honor of the Word of God, I do always appreciate that. I am going to direct your attention to the first verse of this 21st chapter and we'll read down, skipping a few verses just to give you an idea of where we are. And everybody that has it, say amen. And if you don't have it, it'll be on the screen in just a moment. First Samuel chapter 21 and verse number 1. Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech, the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid of the meeting of David and said unto him, Who, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David tells Ahimelech that he had to make a quick journey. And he uh, doesn't tell him the whole story, but uh, lets him know that he had to get out of town in a hurry. And so he inquires, David inquires of Ahimelech the priest if there is anything there for him and his men to eat because they had been a while without any food. Ahimelech replied to him in verse number 4 that the only thing available was the showbread which was reserved for the priest and uh, he was permitted because his men had kept themselves uh, for the last few days. He was allowed uh, to partake of that showbread. And David uh, answered the priest and said unto him in verse number 5, Of a truth, uh, their women have been kept from these men, and I came out in the vessels of the young men, are holy, and uh, they are clean, and they need something to eat. They need bread. And so the priest gave it to them. And then David inquired further. And I want to pick up in verse number 8. And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword for I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take it, take that for there is none other save that here. And I want you to notice David's response to this knowledge of Goliath's sword. And David said, There is none like it. 
There is none like that. Give it me. Amen. There is none like that. Give it me. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about desiring the best things. Desiring the best things. Put your Bibles down. Join hands if you're with your family and let's pray together. Lord, I need you to capture the mind and the imagination of these people tonight. For just a few moments, Lord, would you calm our children? Would you help them, Lord, to pay attention and help our parents, Lord, to not be stressed and divided in their attention? That we might give ourselves to the Word of God for just a few moments tonight that you might minister life and light in this sanctuary. I pray, God, for an anointing to come upon me and upon your people. And I pray, Lord, that there will be a victory that is wrought by the Word of God tonight. That there will be something stirred up in this place. There will be something activated in our spirit and our hearts, Lord, that something will be fired within us, O oh God, that will cause us to reach out for the very best of things. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said with me in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And as you're seated, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time? The storied history of Goliath is one that both awe and amazes you. We are introduced to him in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, when he stands before God's people and he is a Philistine of great stature. He is called the champion of the Philistine. That means of all of the men in the country and the nation of Philistine. This man stood above all others. By most measurements, he stood somewhere between nine and a half and eleven feet tall. And when you read um, the description of his armor and his weapons, it is certainly amazing. His brazen coat of mail and his brazen greaves and brazen javelin and a spear with an iron spearhead that weighed 600 shekels and a shekel was uh, equivalent to a half an ounce so we're talking about the head of his spear that weighed 300 ounces I'm not real sharp on how many ounces there are in a pound I think there's 16 but that's a pretty heavy piece of equipment and here was a man who could handle it. He could handle it easily. And he had shown himself to be a champion in every measure. Looking at him, he stood as an invincible hulk. The first and the original invincible hulk. And when we find him, he is in a deadlock with God's people. In a valley called Elah. On one side of the mountain camped Israel, on the other side camped the Philistines and Goliath would come out morning and evening and he would cup his hands together and cry out 
for Israel to send a man that he may fight against me. Somebody said that's the, uh, that's the old maid's prayer. Give me a man that we might fight together. I don't know if that's true or not, but he intimidated those people and they cowered down in their tents afraid and for 40 long days, night and day, morning and evening, they heard that billowing voice across the valley of Elah until a fearless young shepherd boy come walking into camp. A man, a young man who did not seem to be afraid. Perhaps some would think that he was heady and high-minded, but I choose to believe he just had a walk with God and he had an understanding of God and God's will for his people and he didn't like what he was hearing coming out of Goliath. And so David goes to meet him and there begins this great story of the boy, the shepherd boy, and the giant David and Goliath, a spear and a shield that weighs pound upon pound, and a young boy with a sling and five stones in his pocket. But they meet in the valley, and David, with the art of, of uh, a, a bowman, a, a, a precision, he lets go of that rock and it finds its place and Goliath comes down. And without sword, he goes over and stands on Goliath and he cuts his head off with his own sword. And then the Bible tells us that David, rather than taking that to himself, which he could have easily done in time to come, he took that weapon and he brought it to the house of God and they housed it in the tabernacle. I'm not sure all of David's reasoning, but there had to be significance behind that. And now here he is years later. I don't know exactly how long, but it was a number of years later. Goliath is gone. Goliath brothers are there, but that's a story that is yet to unfold. And here David is running for his life, trying to get away from Saul's fury. He leaves behind everything of importance in his hurry to get away. He didn't take any provisions for himself. And so he comes to the tabernacle that was housed at Nob. And he comes to the priest Ahimelech and he inquires, Is there anything you can give me? Food, substance, we need some provision. And Ahimelech, he did give him, he furnished him with substance. And then he furnished him with a weapon. And I, I don't come tonight to debate or argue uh, any kind of spiritualization of the text. I simply want to draw your mind to what David said. When David came into the house of God and he came into the presence of Ahimelech and when he was told that the only weapon that was there was the sword of Goliath, David's response to that is very important. David became aware quickly that there was no other sword like that. 
And so I, I've not come to spiritualize the sword, but I have come to use what David said as a motto and as a principle of life. Because David's story is in reality our story. He is an allegory of life. And as sure as David faced his enemies, and as sure as he faced his Philistine, we face our own set of enemy, and we face our own Philistine. The war is still waging, and the Philistines are still very much alive. Of the many faults of this man David, and he was full of faults, there is one thing that stands out above all of his failures, and that was a spiritual hunger and a sense of excellence in his life. There was something about David that desired the best thing. There was something about David that wasn't satisfied with mediocrity. There was something about David's ear and about his eye that looked for spiritual things. There was a sensitivity in him toward the things of God. So much so that in time to God come, God would speak of him as a man after my own heart. David had a desire and a sensitivity for things that were excellent. And he sought those things. He desired those things. Here a man who had fought with lions and bears. He had brought Goliath down and would in time face Goliath's brothers. He's at a very difficult time in his life. When it seemed that all was lost and he was running for his very life. And he comes to the tabernacle and he finds refreshment and something more. And when he inquires of a weapon, he is offered Goliath's sword. And David recognized that sword to be the best sword. He recognized that sword to be the best thing available to him. He had the spiritual perception to understand that there is none like it. There is none like it. That's what I want. I was a conviction in David of excellence. And that conviction of excellence led him to desire those things that were excellent. When you are facing with the un, when you are faced with the unknown like David was, he was desiring something that was tried. And something that was proven. Why? Because his eternity depended on what he possessed. I wonder tonight, do we really recognize the best things in life? Do we really recognize the most important things in life? Can we, like David, when faced with life and death situation and we are presented with option, can we discern what is the most important thing to desire and the most important thing to possess? Can we in the 21st century that have so much and sometimes that is our downfall, do we still have the capacity to push through all of that garbage and say, 
I still know what matters. I still know what's most important. I still know what I've got to have above everything else. I still know what matters most. David knew what it was to go to battle ill-equipped. And he also knew what it was to go to battle with the right weapon and what that weapon could produce. There are too many people tonight who do not care what their spiritual weaponry is. There are too many of us sitting on these pews tonight that don't give our spiritual life the concern that we ought to give to it. They don't have a sense to recognize the best, nor do we often have the sense to recognize the best. If we desire anything, it is just the paltry. There are too many people that are satisfied with imitation, and there are far too many that are satisfied with mediocrity. They're satisfied with playing church. They're happy just to show up and sit on a pew. They're happy just to see their face and or let their face be shown. But I've come to preach tonight. Something needs to happen in every one of us. There needs to be a stirring that comes in our life that causes us to desire the very best that God has to offer. There are far too many people that are living satisfied on the edge of life. As a pastor, it grieves me sometimes and it grieves me even tonight to know that among our own church family, there are people who, who want to be as carnal as they can be without being outright sinful. They want to live as close to the edge as they can. They want to be as worldly. They want to be as ungodly. They want to be as carnal minded. They want to be as fleshly as they can without actually falling off the edge. I'm telling you tonight, there's a danger in living there. And God is not calling me to an edge relationship. He's calling me to the best relationship. He's calling me to be able to recognize what really counts and what really matters and to go for those things it disturbs me that sometimes people play games with spiritual things I have lived long enough to see people come to church to use it just as a gossip post so they can hurry home and put something on some stupid thing called Facebook and you quote me tonight I said that I think Facebook has become stupidity at its highest because people will air their dirty laundry and they will talk about things that they need to keep private and they don't mind talking about anybody else. My God, if you're on that thing tonight and you connect to anybody that's like that or you are like that, you need to go home and get on your computer tonight and say, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm tired of being mediocre. I'm tired of playing like a Christian. I'm tired of playing like a saint. I want to be a saint of God. I want to live a holy life. I want to live a life that is pleasing to God. I'm tired of being satisfied with those things that don't matter. Living a life without spiritual defenses, using church as just a plaything, playing with spiritual things. You need tonight to get a hunger in you. 
You need to get away from the edge. Get away from living in the gray areas. I am sick of people asking me, well, Brother Hughes, do I really have to do that? Do we really have to live this way? Is it really necessary? Are all these things really important? I'm tired of people that want to live as close to the edge as they can get and see how much they can resemble both worlds. God's not calling me to resemble that world. He's calling me to resemble that world. And if I'm going to resemble that world, it's going to take me away from this world. I need a hunger for the best things. I need a desire for the things that really matter. The things that will take me through eternity. I need those things tonight. Hallelujah. 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 When it comes to my spiritual life, I want the best weapons possible. I said when it comes to my spiritual life, I want the best weapons possible. I want the best defense that I can have. I want my best chance for victory. When it comes to my life, when I am fighting for my soul, when I am fighting for my family, when I am fighting for my children, when I am fighting for my marriage, when I am fighting for my future, when I am fighting for my eternity, I want something that works. I want something that's proven. I want something that will do the job. I don't want something that I have to wonder, is it going to hold out? Is it going to see me through? Will it take me where I need to go? And we are in the battle for our families and our church and our children and our marriages and our future. I want something tried. I want something proven. I want something tested. I want something used. I want a weapon that works. I said I want a weapon that works. I want to get away from the edge of life. I want to get into the depth of God's spirit. I don't want to take a chance when it comes to my eternity. I don't want to take a chance when it comes to my salvation. You know what? So what if it doesn't take all this when you get to heaven? I don't think you get to heaven. It's going to matter that it didn't take all this. So what mattered? What, what does it matter? This is only temporary. This is only a short time. Eternity is forever. And we're squabbling over temporal things and letting eternal things slip away from us. We need to quit playing church. Say, so Brother Hughes, are you mad? No, I'm not mad. I've come to preach this church tonight that there's got to be an excellence that is stirred in us, that we get away from mediocrity, that we get away from this throwing stuff together and come and have baked or come and have cocked to church and come in here with our very best shoes on, our very best spirit on, our very best attitude on. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about desiring the best thing. I'm talking about understanding what's at stake. My eternity is at stake And I'm not going to play with faulty weapons I don't want to play with something that I don't know will work I know the blood works I said I know the blood works I said I know the blood works I know the name works I know the word works I've faced some devils down with those three things 
I said, I've faced the devil down. I've, I've had encounters with the devil in this sanctuary by myself. And I have encountered him by the blood. And I have pled the blood over some of you. I've pled the blood on our young couples. I've pled the blood on our young people. That God would keep them and work with them. And lead them and direct them. I'm not afraid to fight the devil. But I want to fight with weapons that will work. I want to fight with something that's proven. And the name works. The word of God works. The blood of Jesus works. My praise works. Prayer works. Worship works. Hallelujah. 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 It works. It works. It works. It works. I don't want to be satisfied with less when the very best is available. I don't want to play church. I don't want to play around with my marriage. I don't want to play around with my children. I don't want to play around with my family or my future. I don't want to become too familiar with others that I let lines be marred and erased and I don't know where the line is. That's what's wrong with our society right now. They don't know where boundaries are. They don't know where lines are drawn. You know what? There is such a thing as discretion. There is such a thing of talking about and taking care of your problems in private, not public. Amen. We need the best. And when David came into that tabernacle, he saw a sword that he knew was proven. It worked. He said, oh, I know what that sword can do. I know what that sword's capable. And he said, that's what I want. I want the best. I don't want a substitute. I don't want an imitation. I don't want one that I've produced. I don't want one. You know what's wrong with a lot of people? They have produced a religion and they have produced a philosophy about God that is made up of their own doings. They take what they want out of the Word. They eliminate what they don't like about the Word and they create their own philosophy. And then they want to help tell me it really doesn't matter what you believe, just that you believe. If that's the truth, then I've got some stuff I need to sell you because it is. it does make a difference what you believe. Oh yes it does There were some folks that believed the rapture was going to take place yesterday evening And it didn't happen That doesn't mean it's not going to happen But there's some embarrassed people tonight And I read what they said about them on the news I've heard what they're saying about people that believe in the second coming But I'm here to tell you I haven't lost faith in his coming I haven't lost faith in the fact that he's going to return I still believe he's coming And I want to be ready for him And I want to have in my possession the very best I can have have that will give me the best chance of going to that place. Amen. David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. That's what I want. We need to get a hunger for the best things around here. We need to get a hunger for the best things around here. We need to get a hunger for excellence in our speech, in the way we talk to one another, in the way we interact with one another. There's some boundaries, couples, that you don't ever cross. Your conversation, your talk, your fun, your fellowship, you don't ever cross those boundaries. Young people, 
There's some places that you don't cross in familiarity with the opposite sex until that appropriate time. Why? Because there's an honor that is given to those who obey that word. And there is a blessing that comes to that. I know it's not popular. And I know there's not a church on this road right here that would preach what I'm preaching tonight. But you didn't go there. You came here. So you get to hear what this preacher said. And this preacher is telling you there's something better that we can have. There's something higher that we can attain. There's something greater that God wants to give me. And I want to live by those principles. Amen. I want to live by excellence. Taking hold of those things with all of my heart and desiring them more than I desire anything else. This church needs a hunger for better things. This church needs a hunger for the best things. We need young couples that hunger for the best things. We need young people that hunger for the best things. Call me a prude if you want to. Go outside when church is over and laugh at me and make fun of me. But I will wave goodbye one of these days and it won't matter. But I have learned one thing about God. You don't Go by on this journey through life and live the lowest you can live and expect to attain the highest in another world. If you want to go, you better learn what it takes to get ready and go. And you better live that kind of life. You're not going to live a low life and achieve a high accomplishment. And there's no reason for it. David said, I want that. That's what I want. That's what I'm praying for this church. That we would crave the best things. Crave the excellence. I'm sick of cheap carnality. I'm sick of playing church. I'm sick of pretending that I have a weapon when I have no weapon at all. I'm sick of coming. I'm talking about myself. I'm sick of finding myself at too many junctures in my life and I'm hunting for what I need to get by. I want something to stir me as a preacher. I want something to stir me as the man of God that I will crave and desire the best things. Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. The wonder of these weapons is that children can use them and they work with children. Young people can use them and they work with young people. Young married people can use them and they work for young married people. Middle-aged people can use them and they work for middle-aged people. The sick can use them and they work for sick people. The poor can use them and they work for poor people. The rich can use them and they work for rich people. The down and out can use them and they work for the down and out. The busy people, that's all right, Brother George, I don't need that back up here. The busy people can help. They can know those weapons. They can have those weapons. They can do with God what no one else can do. Nobody can do it like God can do it. That's what we need. We need the very best that God has to offer. And I want it. I want it. That's what I want, God. That's what I'm hungry for. I want. I don't want to play church. I don't want to play like I'm a Christian. I don't want to play like I'm born again. I don't want to play like I'm a believer. I want to be a believer. Hallelujah. 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 I'm closing. Stand with me if you will. Can we recognize tonight the best things in life? Or have we blurred the lines so much that we can't even discern the line any longer?
if you keep better company, you'll find yourself in a better position. If you desire better things, you will be better equipped to fight the battle. If you fill your lungs with more of the air of heaven and less of the air of this world, you will find yourself in that place with God that you want to be. There is no reason that any of us cannot conquer and win. And in the battle of life, I want the best that God has to offer. I want the best God has to offer. I don't want to be satisfied with playing games, spiritual things. I want to desire and hunger for the very best. I want to ask you a question tonight. What are we settling for that God is calling us away from tonight and saying there's something better than that? What are we settling for in our life that God's saying, come on over here, I have something better, I have something greater for you. What is God calling us to? Remember a missionary story of one who went to the nation of Africa years ago. He came into a particular village and he noticed a bunch of boys that were playing. He came over to see what they were doing. They were in a very tight circle and they were down on their knees in the dirt they had a circle drawn and they were playing marbles. He thought, oh, same in America, same here. He felt an identity. Doesn't matter where you're at. Children are children. They still did the same things. While he stood there watching them play, the sparkle of the marbles caught his eye. And as he looked closer, he realized that these boys were playing marbles with Diamonds. Diamonds. Say, so how in the world? Because somebody had never taught them the worth and the value of that diamond. To them, it was just common. It was just ordinary. And that's how we do things in life. When, when it's just common, when it's just ordinary, we don't care where we take it, what we do with it, how we treat it. I know all of you have some shoes at home that you would never wear to church. But you save them because there's some places you'll go in those shoes you won't go in your good shoes. And it doesn't matter. You'll, you'll tromp through the mud. You'll, you'll dig in the dirt. You'll mow the grass. Doesn't matter how they get stained up. It just doesn't matter. There's some old clothes that you have stuck away that... You don't care if you're painting or if you're washing dishes or if you're outside scrubbing the house trying to get all the mildew. You don't care because it doesn't matter what happens to those clothes. But I dare say none of you would do that in what you're wearing right now because you value what you have on tonight. That's what I'm trying to talk to you about in spiritual things. That you would so value a spiritual walk with God and you would so value spiritual weapons that God has given to us that they become more important to you than anything. That you desire the right kind of relationships in life. That you get connected with the right kind of people. 
There, there's a lot of opportunities in life to, to connect to a multitude of people, but not everybody that I can connect to is a good person to be connected to. And you can call me snooty if you want to, but my point is simply this. I want the best weapons to fight my battle. I want the best arsenal available. I want the best opportunity. And if I'm hanging around or I am connected to somebody that is not helping that but hurting that, then I don't need to be connected to them. Simple. You say, Brother Hughes, you make it sound so mean. I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you the truth tonight. Folks, this is not, this, this, what we're in right now, this is not what it's about. This is just a staging area. This is just temporary. Something is about to unfold on the earth. And whatever they predict, the Lord is coming. And we continue to look for His coming. But that coming is what this is really all about. And eternity awaits every one of us. I'm praying that God will give this church the spiritual discernment to recognize the best and turn away from the paltry. To recognize the best and leave behind the unnecessary. Say, God, I want the very best. Give it to me. Give it to me. That's what I hunger for. That's what I desire. Anybody here tonight have that kind of hunger? You want, you want the best weapons that you can get your hands on for your family to help keep your family strong, to help keep your marriage strong. Is there anybody here tonight that that's what you desire as your personal life? I want the best opportunities. I, I want the best privileges. I, I, want the, I, I, I don't want to be satisfied with mediocrity. I want my marriage to succeed. I don't want it to fail. I want my future to be bright. I want there to be a hope at the end of this. I, I want my life to make a difference. I want my life to count. Is there anybody here that feels that way tonight? Is there anybody here tonight that would slip out from where you are and meet me here at this altar? Say, God, I, I want you to help cultivate in me that same spirit that David had. I want you to cultivate in me, Lord, the same attitude that David had. I, I want to recognize the best things. I want to recognize the choice things. I want to recognize the things that matter most. I want to recognize, Lord, the things that really are going to take me through. The things that are going to keep me in time of trouble. I want to recognize, Lord, those connections, those relationships that are going to better my life, that's going to improve me, that's going to make me a better person. Lord, I want the choice things. What is, wor what, what is your family worth tonight? What, what is your marriage worth tonight? What are your children worth tonight? What, what is this church worth to you tonight? Oh God, I want the very best. 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 Lord, I want the very best. I want the very best. I want the very best. I want the best marriage that I can have. I want the best family that I can have. I want the best church that we can have. I want the best opportunities that we can have, Lord. I want to recognize. I want to discern this. I want to discern the weapons that are best. I want to recognize, Lord, the things that are needed, the things that are necessary. 
I want to be able to discern the things, Lord, that are more important than other things. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Hunger after those things tonight. God, I desire them.